So tomorrow we have a, uh, a special opportunity, something very cool that's happening uh, in chapel. Uh, at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning is going to be uh, the missions conference of First Presbyterian Church uh, in Chattanooga. Uh, Dr. Ligon Duncan is going to be speaking at 10, uh, and at 11 o'clock there's going to be a panel discussion with Dr. Green, Dr. Weichbrot, and Dr. Davis. Uh, the topic of the conference is evangelism in a post-Christian world. Um, I think it's going to be really intriguing and probably deeply edifying. If you have time and you're so inclined, please come out tomorrow morning. Um, this morning we're going to look at a passage in the book of Ephesians. And I was thinking about, you know, there are a number of, of sort of thematic um, topics that, that arise in literature and in movies that kind of hit, right? And one of those is, is the, the um, story of the person who is so much more than they knew they were, right? So you think Harry Potter, right? Harry is living underneath the Weasley's stairs, and he's actually a wizard. Dursley, sorry. It's been years, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was like, literally in my head, I'm like, oh, is that right? Is that right? Yeah, and it wasn't, so forgive me. Um, and then Neo, right? Neo is the one, and he doesn't know he's the one. He is Mr. Anderson. I do know that. Um, but the Pevensies are royalty. They don't know they're royalty. And there's a reason, like there's deep-seated human reason as to why those stories hit with us. Um, because we are actually so much more than we think we are. And when we are in Christ, that picture is so much more full than we are oftentimes even aware. Um, so I'm going to read a chunk from Ephesians chapter 1. Just listen. Uh, Ephesians 1, I'm going to start in verse 7 and then move through verse 20. Hear God's word because he wants to speak to us and he wants us to hear the words that he has for us. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set, which he set, set forth in him, regarding his plan of the fullness of the times, to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. In him, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be the praise of his glory. <clears throat> in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance, in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith you have in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you in your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope 
of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Lord, will you please be gracious to us now? Will you speak to us that our hearts may hear, that we may be drawn closer to you and see you that much more clearly, and in doing, seeing ourselves that much more clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's, it's a bit of a long passage, and there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's actually fairly simple in its, in its structure. And it basically is this. As Christians, we are adopted in love. In him, we have redemption and we have inheritance. In him, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Paul prays, I want you to know God. And I want your heart to see hope and value and power that you have as God's children. So you start off with this idea of being adopted in love. In love, we are adopted in Christ. God adopted us, and the whole of what follows is steeped and blanketed in love. All of these theological terms, all of these concepts, their very foundation and fundamental core is the love of God for us. That God loves us as his children. That's what sets the stage for everything that is going to follow. In him, we have redemption and we have inheritance. When we say that we are in Christ, when we are in him, there are lots of different images that are used throughout scripture. One of my favorites is the picture of being engrafted into Christ. If anybody has ever uh, engrafted or or done a graft on a tree, you can can graft all sorts of different kinds of trees together. But the process is, is basically the same. There are air grafts and different ways you can do it. But what you do is you cut a shoot or you cut a small branch and you make a cut into the trunk or into an established part of a tree, and you insert the shoot into that part of the tree, you put a little bit of moist stuff around it, it can be a paper towel, it can be um, uh, some peat, you wrap it up, and eventually it starts to grow together. And the shoot is actually grafted into the tree. It gathers all of its nutrients, all of its health from that tree. That's kind of us. We are in Christ as much as any engrafted shoot becomes a part of a tree. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. By virtue of the spilt, shed blood of Jesus, we actually have redemption. Our hearts are made new. Our hearts become new, living hearts. They're fixed. And we are, in essence, forgiven by virtue of Christ forgiving our sin. We are forgiven into relationship. So think about that for a sec, being forgiven into relationship. Two of of my best friendships in the world are friendships that are born out of forgiveness. Two people that, that I had issue with and they had issue with me. And when we came before one another and humbled ourselves and forgave and extended forgiveness to one another, another, it built a foundation 
of relationship that has existed now literally for decades. And I can look back at both of those times and I remember what was before and I remember and now know what is now and without the forgiveness birthing that relationship, there is no relationship. The Father forgives us into relationship with Him. We have redemption and we have relationship. We also have inheritance. And this is crazy. This is very cool. Our inheritance is becoming sons and daughters of God. The identity of of father to child, the rightness of a life that makes sense in its deepest and most important and most meaningful ways. Our inheritance as children of God is to actually become children of God. Right? That's so good. And it's so almost, it almost doesn't make sense, right? Because the inheritance is supposed to govern when the parent dies. Well, God did send his son to die for us so that we might be, might receive an inheritance which is to become the children will one day receive another inheritance. So, we are also sealed in him by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, When Paul is writing to the Ephesians here, he's talking about the Jews who were the first to believe and come to know Christ. And now he's talking about Gentiles also being engrafted in, about receiving redemption, about receiving an inheritance, um, and being sealed by the Holy Spirit You too were engrafted and you're sealed. God seals us by indwelling us. He seals us with himself. And he is actually the Holy Spirit, the beginning of our inheritance. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God coming into us, seals us as his children. It is also the beginning of the inheritance that we receive as being children which will one day be manifested and made perfect and beautiful at the return of Christ. But being sealed is so essential because God is the one who does the sealing. It's a good seal. It's a sure seal. It's a firm seal. It's a seal you can't break. You hear that? When you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, it's a seal that you don't have the capacity to break or alter. Paul says, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You've been redeemed like we have. And I pray for you. I pray that you might know God. We are all part of this, all things being brought together in Christ, Jew and Gentile, children and all of creation. He says, we are part of that together. So I give thanks for you and I pray for you. And I pray that that God will give you a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that God will give you a spirit that understands and sees life and faith and God that you might know him personally. See, the thing about being a son or a daughter that is the most joyful and the most powerful is not that you're called a son or a daughter, right? Just having the title without the relationship kind of means nothing. But the joy and the beauty is God actually wants us to have relationship with him. And Paul says, that's what I pray for. I pray that you'll have this spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you'll be able to look around the world 
you'll be able to look at your life, you'll be able to look at circumstances, and you'll be able to actually see what is truly happening because of your relationship with the Father, that you'll have right perspective, that you'll actually see who you are and who He is in relationship, and that you will grow and that you will know Him. It's not just possible, it's expected. Paul wants us, expects us to know the Father. And then this is the place I want to sit just a little bit here. Paul prays this thing that's really interesting. He prays that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the bounding, boundless greatness of His power towards those of us who believe. So, first of all, Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts may see. And it's really interesting to me that he doesn't say he prays that the eyes of our minds will be opened, right? The heart is able to see certain things that the mind can only point to. The heart is oftentimes the way that we actually see more accurately and more acutely that which is happening in the world around us and that which is happening in our lives. Our hearts are the ones that sense that things are not always right. Our hearts sense brokenness by sin and injustice. Our hearts rejoice at what is good and what is beautiful. So Paul prays that our hearts might actually be enlightened, that they might see accurately. And here's what Paul wants us to see. He says, I want your hearts to see the hope of your calling. And when Paul talks about the hope of your calling, he's talking about something very specific here. He's talking about our manifesting in glory with Jesus at his return. He's saying, I want your hearts to be able to see accurately and to be able to hold and believe that truth, to actually see the hope of your calling. And here's the thing. We might understand with our minds that Jesus is the first fruits of the new creation, right? I'm sure you've heard that, that Jesus in his resurrected body and glory is the first fruits of the new creation, and that when he indwells us, that's the promise that we too will one day be transformed and be with and like him in glory, right? So we can hear that and we can know that. We can even repeat it and understand the theological concept. But when we're alone in the middle of the night, it is our heart that is able to see and believe the truth that this body that's going to turn to dust, perhaps seep into the ground, maybe blow into the winds, will one day be pulled together, be made whole and perfect and beautiful at the return of Christ, glorified as we enter into the new heavens and the new earth with him. That's what the heart is able to see. And Paul prays, I, I hope that your heart is able to see the value that God places on us as an inheritance. I mentioned it a minute ago, right? Usually an, an inheritance is what the child is given after the death of a parent. And God loves us so dearly that he's willing to give his son that we might actually become his children. Think about that that God loves us so dearly that He's willing to actually give His only Son that we might become His sons and daughters.
We can hear that, we can think that, we can know it in our brains, but it is only by our hearts, our new hearts, when they're enlightened and they can see that we can understand that kind of love of father to son and father to daughter. And then Paul says, and I also want you to understand and see the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. Now this, um, this is so good. Um, there is a power at work in the children of God, and it is resurrection power. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. If you look at Scripture and you, you look at the cross as, as the um, fullest representation of God's love, where he actually sacrificed himself, the sinless Son of God, willing to die on our behalf, the fullest picture of love. The resurrection is the fullest picture of power. That Jesus, who was in the grave, who tasted death for a time, actually overcame death, was brought to life in a transformed and glorified body. And that same power is at work in us. It's resurrection power. And it is power that brings life from death, that moves us towards healing. It sheds off darkness. It mends, it restores, it grows. It ushers towards holiness and righteousness and beauty. And that power is alive and working through every single one of us who know Christ. It, it's, it's, like an, it's like an activity that's going on always below the surface, right? It's good that it's fall. This, is, this example works now, right? I've, um, I've got a bonsai tree that I've had for almost 20 years. It's a, it's a crab apple, and it's lovely. And if you look at it right now, it, it looks dead. Like the, tr the leaves that are, haven't quite fallen off yet, they're brown and they're brittle, um, and they're going to drop here in the next couple of weeks. But I know what's going to happen in spring because it's happened every single year I've had the tree. I know what's going to happen because I know what's going on in the roots. The roots are sleeping, but there's work taking place. And as the weather starts to get colder, they're going to sleep, but the work is still taking place. And then when spring comes, sun starts to get a little warmer. The buds are going to start to pop. I know where the crab apples are going to start to fall based on the size of the buds. And about March, Actually, I may bring it in in March and show you what happens. It bursts forth into life. I bring it into the house for about a week because it's full of flowers, and it literally fills our entire lower level of our house with the smell of fresh crabapple blossoms. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. But that power is sitting under the surface, even though you can't always see it happening. You can't always see it working. The flowers that are sitting under the ground are going to burst forth. It's at work whether we see it or don't see it. And that is the same way that the Holy Spirit is functioning within us. But it's producing a fruit that we can and should see. And Paul is saying, I want you to participate in that new life resurrection power. It's not just an abstract thing. It's not just an abstract truth up here. It's something I want you to see with your heart so you'll know the power that is work, at work within you. 
so that you can seek and draw close to God and you can watch God work in you and through you, loving, ministering, caring, pouring out His compassion, bringing all things together in Christ. That's who you are. That's who I am. And that can sometimes be hard to believe, and that's why Paul prays for it, right? That the eyes of our hearts may actually see. Uh, Harry and Neo, and I'm sure when I brought that idea up, you all probably came up with tons of examples of that theme. But that theme hits because we are so much more than we think we are. Because God has called us his children. We have redemption through his blood, an inheritance that is so beautiful because of his love for us. And there's a power that indwells and lives in and through us. And Paul prays, I just want you to see it so that you can live it, right? What a glorious way to live our lives. So let's pray that we'll be able to actually see these things. Lord, this is the truth of who we are. This is the truth of who you have made us to be. Not by virtue of who we are, but by virtue of your deep and abiding love for us. Will you please, Father, be gracious to us? Open our eyes of our hearts so that we might see these things, that we might know ourselves better and more clearly, and that we might see your glory and beauty and awesomeness even more powerfully and acutely. Lord, we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name.